Alabama looks average in their close home win against LSU. Michigan State, Wake Forest, and Baylor all lose this past weekend. And an update on my top four teams in college football. That's all next. I'm Jay Smith, and this is After Further Review. And now, after further review, a Clemson student's perspective on sports. And the personal foul on number 99 of the defense. After he tackled the quarterback, he's giving them business down there at the 15-yard penalty. Well, welcome everyone to another edition of After Further Review. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Jay Smith, and we've got a good episode of AFR coming your way today. A day late uh, with this episode. Uh, had some things going on, but I am excited to to get this one out, and certainly there's a lot to talk about. Week 10 did not disappoint. We saw more ranked teams lose. I mean, every single week this season, we've been talking about how the number of ranked teams uh, that have lost and the number of teams who have been ranked this year continue to be records week after week, right? And I think going into this weekend, we had seen 45 different teams ranked at some point this season. you got to imagine that number is going to continue to climb. I would not surprise me if we got close to seeing 55 or maybe even 60. I mean, yes, a lot of the teams that were ranked at the start of the year that are sort of uh, kind of hanging out in the, the 30s and the 40s, you'd expect, you know, that, that number shouldn't go up too, too much in terms of number of teams that are coming out of nowhere now two-thirds, three-quarters of the way through the season. But it's been crazy. It has been wild. And Week 10 certainly did not uh, did not disappoint at all. And, you know, obviously one of the bigger stories out of this past week was Alabama. You know, they didn't lose to LSU at home, but it wasn't pretty. It was not pretty at all for the Tide. You know, LSU... Again, with, with Coach O, the fact that he's out at the end of the year, almost sort of a, a lame duck type season for the Tigers, this would have been a huge win. Make no mistake. I'm not saying LSU has quit on the season, but they're a 4-4 four and four football team that hasn't looked anywhere near the caliber that we saw back in 2019 when they went you know, undefeated, won the national championship. So LSU, you know, they, they probably... You know, wanted to play well in this game. It being a rivalry game, certainly they wanted to show up. But the fact that it was in Tuscaloosa and Alabama, you know, one-loss team right in the college football playoff, they're, they're second right now in the CFP rankings. We will see if this close win knocks them down a couple spots. Listen, a lot of people, myself included, already believe that Alabama gets a pass and sort of an, an inside road to the top four regardless of of their resume and circumstance. And if they don't drop after this performance, that's going to confirm what a lot of people are suspecting. And, and there's, you know, they're just going to give people more ammunition against the committee when it comes to talking about SEC bias and particularly Alabama bias, because Georgia deserves the number one ranking. No one is arguing that I have been a you know big Georgia, you know, they're going to win the national championship kind of person pretty much this entire season. I expect that to still be the case. But Alabama being two last week surprised me, and I really haven't been sold on the Tide, not since their loss 
to Texas A&M, but just throughout the season, not seeing the same consistency that we're used to seeing from a Nick Saban coach team. Really, the Florida game sort of uh, woke me up, and, and I started to pay attention to how Alabama has been performing this season. And, and certainly, you know, make no mistake, the Tide have decimated most of the teams that they have played this season. Now, another side to that argument is who have they played this season, right? I mean, their best non-conference win, what's it, what is it, Miami in the season opener? A 44-13 drubbing of Miami. I mean, you have Mercer, uh, you have Southern Miss, you're about to have New Mexico State this weekend. That's it for non-conference schedule for the Tide. Again, typical SEC schedule, maybe one opening game that's tricky or challenging or, or has a, we'll call it a, uh, a marquee, uh, that, that feels feels uh, too um, hollow, uh, a big-name team, right? A big-name team in the opening week. Because Miami was by no means in the magic. Like, they were not expected to compete with Alabama, and I would not consider Miami a marquee team, even in the ACC. But the point is, is that it's Miami. People know Miami. People recognize Miami. And... Alabama did that in their season opener, right? They breeze through that game, destroy the Canes, and then they play Mercer, Southern Miss, and New Mexico State. That's a joke. That's a complete joke. But Alabama's banking on the fact that Florida's probably going to be ranked fairly high. Texas A&M is going to be ranked fairly high, which obviously at the time of that game, they weren't, even though Alabama ended up falling to the Aggies. That is their expectation is that, oh, we'll have three to four ranked wins at least a season thanks to our SEC schedule. But really, when you're looking at it this year, you know, you got that win on the road at Florida, 31 to 29, but gosh, that's that's almost like Georgia's win against Clemson in the season opener. Like no one's taking Clemson seriously right now, nor should they. And, you know, people have, have had to look to other games to see if Georgia is a legit title contender. So the fact that Alabama beat Florida in the swamp doesn't really tell us much because, what, Florida's dropped now four or five in a row? I mean, they're four and eight in their last 12 games. The Gators have completely dropped off, and unless Dan Mullen gets things turned around quickly, he could be out of a job in Gainesville. But back to the Tide, right? The Tide's schedule, it didn't really pan out like I think they were hoping or expecting it to. You know, you... You play Miami, which was a top 15 game at the time. Win that handily. The Florida game at the time was uh, the Gators were 11th. So that was a big road win. Obviously now there's more context. And we, we have just talked about the fact that the Gators look terrible. They're terrible right now. So you can't put much stock in that win. Beating Old Miss by 21 was pretty impressive. I was expecting Ole Miss to contend in that game. I thought maybe the Rebels could upset Alabama, even though it was on the road. It was a very competitive game last year in Oxford. But Lane Kiffin and his, you know, his his decision to always go for it on fourth down and not punt the football sort of got them behind the eight ball. They weren't able to score much in that first half. They played well in the second. Old Miss played very well in the second half, but again. When you're playing a team like Alabama, you can't play for 30 minutes, right? You've got to be a consistent 60-minute football team. You have to execute, and you have to limit the mistakes. And 
you know, Lane Kiffin, while I think he's done a great job in Oxford and has really turned around the culture and the program at Old Miss, sometimes he's his own worst enemy. Some of the decisions this guy's making when it comes to, and I know they have their guy that stands there on the sideline with the book and he's got all the, the analytics and coach do we go for and all this stuff, but, I, I, you know, listen, there have been several games, Old Miss games I've watched this season where they're making decisions that just don't make any sense to me. It just doesn't make any since, you know, the, the Auburn game is another good example of Ole Miss just making bad decisions in the fourth quarter that ultimately, you know, cost, cost the Rebels that game. Uh, but, but again, for, for Alabama, right, they beat Ole Miss by 21 at home. Then they go on the road and they lose to Texas A&M. They lose 41 to 38. So it's a close game. It's a hard-fought game. But they're still, you know, now sitting with a loss, right? So they're, they're no longer undefeated. But they're still on top of the SEC West, and especially now that they hold the head-to-head against Ole Miss, you know, you, you, you think, okay, they're still fine. They're still fine for a playoff spot. Shouldn't be any issues. Uh, they just need to you know, win the rest of their games. Even if they were to lose again, they possibly could still squeak in because of the chaos that we have seen. But you just don't know. Still, you know, once you lose a game... That's when unknowns start creeping in, and the un- the certainty of a playoff spot is thrown out the window, right? Because again, when you when you lose, you're no longer in control of your own destiny. Alabama is poised almost better than anybody to still make the playoff with a loss, but it's not as safe bet as if you were undefeated. Obviously, that's a no-brainer. So the Crimson Tide sitting there with a single loss, and then a lot of people are like, how are they going to respond? They're going to go against a Mississippi State team that has shown signs of life this season, and it's a road game, right? This is in Starkville. How is Alabama going to respond? They came out, played very well, won that game 49-9, to and people are like, okay, Alabama's going to be fine. They're going to continue the rest of the season, and you know, there's nobody really on that schedule. There's Tennessee, LSU, New Mexico State, Arkansas, which we all learned, and you know, some people like myself said at the time, this is a very overrated Arkansas team. It's a good Arkansas team, but it's an overrated Arkansas team. So again, that didn't look too too tough for Alabama. And then you wrap up with the Iron Bowl, which obviously that's a big rivalry game. It's always a a good game, a competitive game, and it, it could go either way, right? You just you, you have to go into the Iron Bowl knowing that it's a rivalry game that could go to either team. So Alabama really doesn't have much there on the schedule, right? We just talked about this. There's not much there. Uh, the non-conference is a joke. I mean, it's a complete joke. Even with that one Power 5 win, when you know we're talking about Miami in the season opener, Mercer, Southern Miss, and New Mexico State, who they're going to play this weekend, does nothing. It does absolutely nothing. You could argue that it hurts Alabama because Alabama's biggest non-conference win, which the committee does take into account. And now, again, now that Alabama's lost lost a game, you do have to start looking into those things. Okay, what's their, you know, strength of schedule and, and you know, how, what non-conference games they've played and who have they beaten and are there any head-to-heads that we can look at? Those things will matter for a tie team that has a loss. They matter, especially now that Alabama has looked average. And, and that's, a, that's a big word because it's a word that we typically don't associate with Alabama. We usually associate excellence with Alabama. Right now, they're average. They looked very average 
in their close win to LSU at home Saturday night. The Tide, get this, I didn't even believe this. And, and I watched this game. I watched this game and I did not believe this statistic until I had to look it up and confirm. Alabama had six rushing yards. Six rushing yards Saturday night at home against LSU. An LSU team that is now four and five and will likely not make a bowl game. Now, you know, there are always quarters and games in college football where it's just, for whatever reason, not quite working like it should, you know, whether that's offensive execution or just guys missing assignments or or losing track of fundamentals. But I think this performance, particularly on the ground, points to some deeper flaws in Alabama this year that previously or in previous years we didn't really see. I mean, listen, Saban has been, uh, he's been pissed on the sideline a lot this season, more than we're usually uh, used to seeing from him. And, you know, uh, obviously Alabama and Nick Saban realize they're going to have to play better than that to win the SEC championship, which is obviously a goal of theirs, because I think right now Alabama, right, if they advance to Atlanta and they were to to win the SEC championship game, they're getting into the playoff, absolutely getting into the playoff, because you're going to beat Presumably, right, Georgia, well, it's not even presumably anymore. Georgia is in the SEC championship game. They clinched the East, I think, last week. So you're going to face Georgia. If you beat Georgia, which is the national championship pick right now, almost anybody, especially anybody that watches college football, if you beat Georgia, you're going to get into the playoff. You're going to get into the playoff. If you lose to Georgia and you're a two-loss non-conference champion, I don't think Alabama gets in, and part of that reasoning is non-conference, which we've talked about now three or four times. It's terrible. Miami's the best win. And the fact that they're playing some of these games close. The Florida game was close. The LSU game was close. Presumably, unless things change drastically in a couple of weeks, the Auburn game will be close. The Auburn game will be close. And that game is at Auburn. That is at Jordan-Hare. That will be a huge Huge game. So we could possibly see, I I don't think this is a stretch at all, we could see an Alabama team lose to Auburn, right? They could lose to to Auburn, and that would give them two losses in the West. And I'm just doing some quick math here. A&M right now sits 4-2. They're second in the West behind Alabama's 5-1 record. So if A&M... And I'm going to pull up their schedule here to, to compare. If AM were to win their remaining conference games and finish six and two, they've got at Old Miss and at LSU. Not necessarily cakewalk games. So so they're they're you know, the Aggies will have to you know execute on their end. It's not like they're playing Vanderbilt and Missouri, right? They they're playing fairly competent. SEC teams, even LSU, who obviously right now is is struggling and their program is 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 in a, a weird place compared to where they were a couple of years ago. But LSU showed signs of life against Alabama. I don't necessarily think they'll they'll beat Texas A&M, but a, a road game 
to Baton Rouge in Death Valley, that's a tough environment. That's a tough environment A&M will have to take seriously. So A&M doesn't have a cakewalk. But again, when you look at the math here, if Alabama were to lose to Auburn, you would have an A&M wins, presumably, against, um, against Old Miss on the road and LSU. If they win those games, they'll have two losses in the West, Alabama will have two losses in the West. So they still, Alabama still holds the tiebreaker. Oh, sorry, excuse me. <laughs> I don't know how I messed that one up. A&M holds the tiebreaker over Alabama, right? Because A&M beat Alabama. So A&M's two losses and Alabama's two losses, the tiebreaker would go to the Aggies because of their win earlier this season, which means Texas A&M could advance to the SEC championship game and represent the West, right? They could represent the West. And even if Auburn, let's, let's not forget about the Auburn Tigers, they're 3-2 and two right now in conference play, so they have a handful uh, more games to play, right? They've only played five SEC games, whereas Alabama and Texas A&M have each played six. So Auburn has... No remaining non-conference games. Both Alabama and A&M have a single non-conference game remaining. Alabama's is this weekend. A&M's is the following weekend. Auburn has Mississippi State at South Carolina and Alabama. Which again, in this hypothetical scenario, Auburn has to beat Mississippi State and South Carolina. Right? They have to win out. Basically, they're, they're, let's say they beat Alabama. Well, they also would have to beat Mississippi State and South Carolina, and you would see three different teams, Texas A&M, Alabama, and Auburn, all finish with two losses in the SEC West. And where things get tricky, because in this situation, this scenario, A&M and Auburn will have beaten Alabama. A&M holds the tiebreaker over Auburn, right? They beat the Tigers 20-3 to this past weekend. And that's why that game is so pivotal. That's why this game played last this past week at Kyle Field was so big and mattered so much because there's still a possibility that the Auburn Tigers and the Texas A&M Aggies you know, could represent the SEC West. Now, Auburn's Auburn is is really on the outside looking in now. I don't even know if there if there is a path for the Tigers unless Alabama and AM just, you know, were to lose the remaining games on their schedule, which seems very unlikely. So again, it's really gotten interesting. It's really gotten interesting in the SEC West. We kind of thought we had everything figured out. And now all of a sudden Alabama having looked as average as they have these past, you know, games here against LSU and against Florida and the rushing game for the Crimson Tide really not being there like we're used to seeing, it certainly makes things interesting in the SEC West because if we see Alabama lose to Auburn and not make it to the SEC championship game, they're, they're not going to make the playoff. They're not going to make the playoff. A two-loss team that didn't even win their division – won't make the playoff this year, right? At this point, you got Georgia, presumably the SEC champion. Let's say Oklahoma, the Big 12 champion, the Big 10 champion, although that's still a bit of a wild card. It could be 
Ohio State, it could be Michigan State, it could be Michigan. All those teams now have a loss, so things are really getting interesting in the Big Ten. And then your fourth spot, it's not the ACC anymore. Wake Forest lost. Not that it was going to be the ACC. Let me let me put a disclaimer in there. I had a show, I think, four or five weeks ago at this point. Four or five weeks ago, I had a whole show, and it was all about the Pac-12 and the ACC missing the playoff. Now, Oregon has sort of rebounded right after their loss to Stanford. Oregon sits at you know fourth right now in the college football playoff rankings, and if they don't falter... You got to, you know, as things stand now, if they don't falter, the ceiling for Cincinnati is fifth. That's the ceiling for the Bearcats because in this scenario, presumably Alabama would fall having lost a second game, not playing in an SEC championship game, not having an additional game to boost the resume. So you'd have your SEC champion, your Big 12 champion, presumably both would be undefeated. Both would be undefeated. Georgia and Oklahoma would be 13-0 going into the playoff. Then you'd have your Big Ten champion, probably, let's say, a one-loss, say it's Ohio State. One-loss Ohio State. And then your fourth spot would either be a one-loss Oregon or an undefeated Cincinnati. If Oregon loses another game, it's Cincinnati. If Cincinnati loses at all, they're out completely. We have seen the committee just disrespect group of five teams year after year after year. Again, most recent episode I, I you know, we, we had of AFR was all about the disrespect that Cincinnati got from the committee in these initial rankings. But that's pretty much where things stand. That's pretty much where things stand right now with regards to Alabama and the SEC you know, West and, and, and what that conference and division look like and how things will play out these last few weeks. There's going to be some big, big games and some good games to watch. Uh, and certainly, you know, if you're Alabama... You've, you've got to look good in your wins the rest the rest of the season, right? You've got to take New Mexico State, you know, back out behind the barn and thrash them. you got to beat down Arkansas, and then you got to look pretty good at Jordan-Hare. If Alabama were to win at Auburn in the season finale, that would be, in my opinion, their best win of the season. Their best win of the season because... Let me just list off the teams that Alabama's beat. Miami, Mercer, Florida, Southern Miss, Old Miss, Mississippi State, Tennessee, LSU. Right now it's Old Miss. Right now it's Old Miss. And the Rebels are a two-loss team, right? The Rebels have lost to both Alabama and Auburn. But, you know, Old Miss has has shown that they're a top 20, I would say top 20, maybe a top 15 team right now. Uh, they're sitting at 16th in the college football playoff rankings. I'd imagine, again, with as many ranked teams losing this past week as we saw, Ole Miss will be in the top 15, but that's about where they are right now. That's about where they are. And that's Alabama's best win. Auburn's a few spots ahead of Ole Miss, right? Auburn is currently 13th, and... They beat Ole Miss head-to-head, 31-20, right? We talked about that a little bit earlier. Ole Miss lost to both Alabama and Auburn. So beating Auburn on the road would be Alabama's signature win. It would be their signature win of the regular season. And it would give them enough of a case, obviously, as a one-loss team, that, hey, you know, even if we don't beat Georgia, maybe we can still find a way to get into the playoff. But 
I, I don't know. I mean, the more I'm thinking about this, at, as it stands right now, I think Alabama knows, Nick Saban knows, the only way the Crimson Tide make the playoff this year is if they're getting past Georgia. They have got to beat Georgia in the SEC championship game to make the playoff. That sort of desperation might might give them a fighting chance. I, I still don't think Alabama wins that game. There's not been much on the field I've seen from Alabama this season that's going to convince me they'll beat Georgia or even compete with Georgia. You can't rush for six yards against Georgia and win. Okay, Georgia, Georgia has still not allowed more than 13 points a game. Georgia's playing like video game numbers right now. It's insane. It's, it's unfair how much better they are than everybody else. But we've seen this kind of dominance in college football, right? We talked about this on this show for years now. It, it, it ha- we haven't seen a close college football playoff top four team, you know, since 2017. Since the Alabama-Clemson, you know, round one, round two, round three era, we have not seen competitive national championship games. 2018 was Clemson, dominant, 15-0. 2019 was LSU, dominant, 15-0. And then last year, right, Alabama, national champion, dominant. So this year it's Georgia. I mean, these are this is four years in a row now where the best team in the country is by far the best team in the country. Like, no one else is in the same zip code as the best team in the country. And both Clemson and LSU have dropped off significantly. The Tigers really haven't been competitive for a title since their win in 2018. I know they they made it to the championship in 2019, had that 29-game uh, winning streak. You know, I was there. I'm a Tiger fan, right? I, I, I was watching that game, but they were never competing against LSU to win that game. And then the following year, you know, Alabama, right, they dismantled Ohio State in the championship game. So it's been it's been since 2017 when Alabama and Georgia played, I believe, the first overtime national championship game in history that the Tide ultimately prevailed in. That's the last competitive national championship game we've seen. That's that's It's been four years. It's been that long since we've seen a quality playoff and championship game. So for Alabama, you know, certainly they need to look good these next three weeks. They need to take care of business against New Mexico State. They need to take care of business uh, against Arkansas. And they need to find a way to beat Auburn at Jordan-Hare in what will be a huge game. A huge game. And that's why the Iron Bowl is so special. Because every year, it always matters. There's always a, you know, something about it or something about the schedule and the you know, the standings, that it matters. These two teams always, you know, deliver a great rivalry game, and this year is shaping up to be no different. Again, you know, one of the things that Alabama's struggling with this season, to, to talk about the Tide for a few minutes before we go to our first break, they've just been inconsistent. They've been inconsistent, right? They held performances like they did against Old Miss, and then... You know, you have games like you performed against Florida or against LSU or even A&M. So it's just been a weird year where we have seen Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, even Oklahoma just not look as sharp as we're accustomed to seeing. Now, 
everyone's going to lose a game every once in a while, right? You're not seeing teams put together 20-plus winning streaks that often. But Clemson does not look sharp at all. Alabama does not look that sharp right now. Ohio State has rebounded. You know, they, they, they haven't played as dominant as we're accustomed to seeing from the Buckeyes, but as you know, as it stands right now, if they take care of business, they will, they'll likely be uh, in contention for a Big Ten championship, which you would think would be a play-in for a college football playoff spot. So, you know, Clemson's not even ranked, right? Clemson has completely fallen off the map with the likes of LSU, uh, but it's just been a weird year, right? Iowa was second in the country. They were dominant, playing, you know, great football, and they've, you know, fallen off. I mean, Florida has fallen off. Like, the sharp decline we've seen in performance has been extraordinary. It's really been extraordinary. Uh, so we'll have to see how, how things shape up the, the last few weeks, especially in the SEC West, but I think it's going to be a great few weeks of football, really. I, I think, again, the real intrigue will be the Iron Bowl. It's going to come down to the Iron Bowl, because if Alabama loses that game, I, I believe A&M would advance. A&M would advance. Because, again, in that scenario, if A&M wins their games, right, if they take care of business against their opponents at Old Miss, at LSU, they'll finish with two losses. Bama finishes with two losses. It doesn't matter if Auburn does or not, because obviously A&M beat Auburn, but A&M also beat Alabama. So A&M would have tiebreakers over both Alabama and Auburn. So, yeah, it would be huge. would be absolutely huge. You would see, would that be every playoff team from, from last season uh, that wouldn't make the playoff, right? Because it was, it was Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama. Well, if, if Ohio State wins the Big Ten Championship, they'll get in. They'll, they'll get in. So I guess you, would, you wouldn't have every single team for the playoff not make it. But certainly, it would, you'd see a lot of fresh faces in the playoff, that's for sure. Uh, let's take a break, though. We've been going on this for a long while. Let's take a break. We'll come back and talk Week 10, some of the biggest games from this past weekend, some big upsets, right? Michigan State, Wake Forest, and Baylor all go down. What does that mean for the playoff rankings? We'll discuss it next. Welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for tuning in to After Further Review. Again, I'm Jay Smith. Let's talk now some upsets from Week 10. There certainly were a few, right? We we saw uh, some big teams, some teams that I was expecting would win handily this weekend. They struggled. And listen, let's start off with the biggest upset. Michigan State losing to Purdue. This, this Boilermaker team, man, I, I don't even know... What to say? They are six and three right now, not getting a lot of love. They they should be getting more love than I've seen on social media. But the Purdue Boilermakers, if you haven't heard, they have more wins against AP top three teams as an unranked team than like anybody else in the country. They have like ten wins against AP top three teams as an unranked team. Okay, the next closest team is like four. Four total. Purdue has like 10. It's nuts. It's insane. The Boilermakers, they just find a way. They always find a way. And honestly, you know, when you look at this matchup against the Spartans, Michigan State didn't play poorly. They scored 29 points. 
they were pretty consistent. You know, they scored in every quarter. It wasn't like they were shut out or, or had, you know, 15 or 30 minutes of football where they couldn't do anything. They, they just couldn't stop Purdue. Purdue was able to move the ball very effectively on offense, and they were pretty, you know, they, they kept Michigan State guessing. They were very balanced. Purdue was, and, and you, you saw that reflected in, in their ability to, to move the ball. I mean, they finished with almost 600 total yards of offense. Now, Michigan State's two turnovers, that, that didn't help, right? That certainly did not help. But I think one of the bigger storylines from this game is the fact that, you know, Aiden O'Connell, right? Aiden O'Connell, Purdue's quarterback, this guy threw for 536 yards. He was 40 for 54, 536 yards, and three touchdowns. And then you compare that to Peyton Thorne for Michigan State, right? He was 20 for 30, which is not bad, 276 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. So again, not bad numbers, but this was more a failure of Michigan State's defense, a defense that so far this season had been playing fairly respectably. I mean, they you know they had limited most of the teams they played to you know somewhere around 15 or 20 points, right? Northwestern earlier this year, 21 points. Uh, Youngstown State, 14. Miami, 17. Nebraska, 20. Rutgers, 13. Indiana, 15. Only two teams, two teams so far this season had scored more than 30 against Michigan State. One team would surprise you and one team wouldn't. One team that wouldn't surprise you is Michigan, right? They scored 33 in that very close game the other week. Phenomenal game. And then the other team is Western Kentucky. The Hilltoppers scored 31 points. But it didn't matter because Michigan State had 48. They hung 48 on the Hilltoppers. But yeah, Purdue was only the third team this season to break the 30-point mark on Michigan State. So this is more a failure on defense for the Spartans. And it's been now two weeks in a row, two straight weeks where Michigan State has allowed more than 30 points. And there's not many magic numbers in college football, but once you allow more than 30, that's, I mean, four touchdowns and let's say a field goal, that's that's not setting yourself up to win, right? That, that's opening the door for losing more games than you probably should. And certainly you want to hold a team to, you know, ideally I'd say around 17. I think under 20 is probably the goal of most defensive coordinators, realistic goals. 30 is when it starts to get super dangerous because unless your offense is clicking, you, you may fall behind very quickly and not be able to catch up. So Michigan State these past few weeks, they've had some issues on defense. Now, they're going to have an opportunity this coming weekend when they take on Maryland before the big game against Ohio State, right? They got Ohio State and then Penn State to close out the season. So you got to think that Michigan State will, will try to fix things against Maryland. But a big loss, a big loss for the Spartans. Throws a wrench in their plans, obviously, for the playoff, and we'll have to see where the committee puts them. Another big upset this weekend was Wake Forest. The Demon Deacons, we talked about them a lot on this show, 
first time in the top 10 in school history, only team in the entire Power Five to have never been ranked in the top 10. Their, their highest previously was 11th back way, way back when. It's been like 40 or 50 years. But the Demon Deacons were 8-0, and they were playing lights-out football. And I said, I said, don't sleep on North Carolina. The Mac Brown teams, they always show up prepared. You can never count out a Mac Brown coach football team. And that's exactly what we saw on Saturday. The Tar Heels continue to trend, we have seen, against Wake Forest, and they scored a lot of points. Wake Forest's defense isn't good at all. And 24 fourth-quarter points for the Tar Heels are what ultimately put them over the Demon Deacons. Wake Forest was in control of this game. Wake Forest was in control of this game. You know, it was 31-24 to at half, but then they took you know, 14-point lead at the end of the third, so they were in good shape. And they still scored in the fourth quarter. They had a, a, a single touchdown, but UNC just kept scoring. 24 points in that fourth quarter. And they were, you know, pretty long drives. Like what, the first drive, first touchdown drive of the fourth quarter for the Tar Heels, 12 plays, 75 yards. Then another one later in the quarter, 11 plays, 65 yards. But what killed them were the big plays, the big chunk plays they gave up. And even though Wake outgained UNC, had more first downs, UNC took advantage of turnovers. Wake had two turnovers, took advantage of turnovers and mistakes late in that game. And to their credit, against a lot of odds, they clawed their way back into it and ended up finding a way to win a thrilling ACC game, which, you know, has no national relevance, but hey, it was it was a fun game, right? We haven't had many of those in the ACC this year. It's a great game. It's a great game. Unbelievable game, really. I mean, Wake Forest, they, they kind of collapsed down the stretch. You know, they had a huge second half lead, but hey, uh, you know, college football is crazy, and if, if you're on the road... You've got to play a full 60 minutes. And again, Wake Forest, their defense specifically has shown week after week after week that they're going to let teams score and score often. So that's a big loss for not only Wake Forest, but also the ACC. They were you know, sort of back in the conversation with a top 10 team. Obviously, that is now gone. You'd expect Wake Forest to drop pretty far because the committee had them at, what, 9? Had them at 9? And they were 8-0. That's any other team besides UT San Antonio. <laughs> they're ranked higher than ninth. If that's Clemson, they're a top four team. They're a top four team, even with the same schedule. If 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 Clemson had Wake's schedule and was 8-0, Clemson would be a top four team. But because it's Wake Forest, they're ninth. The committee is so predictable. It's so predictable. And it, it sucks because... I wanna, I wanna, you know, like the committee, and I want to get excited about the rankings, and I wanna look forward to the. I don't, I don't care. I don't care because it's so predictable, and they say, oh, you know, we will, we'll evaluate everybody fairly and evenly. BS, BS. They're just lying. I mean, we, you know, week after week, year after year. We are provided with numerous examples of teams that get completely disrespected. 
Now, I know you're probably sitting there going, well, Wake Forest lost, so so what? It doesn't matter. The point is, is that they weren't even given the benefit of the doubt. I don't care that they lost this past weekend. That doesn't necessarily matter. The point is they, they weren't given the benefit of the doubt, right? Michigan State was third and they lost. It happens. It happens. Alabama, they lost. Like, it happens. But because they were Wake Forest and not somebody else, they were ranked ninth. So it's a big blow to the Demon Deacons. They're going to still have a great year. The fact that they're 8-1 they're and, one and, you know... Now, now, there's something a little bit interesting about this game. There's something a little bit interesting about this game. And, and I'm not... I'm not totally aware of the of the specifics regarding how this game came to be played because the way it's been explained to me, the way it's been explained to me is that this technically was not a conference game. Like, Wake Forest and UNC have a rivalry. And they've played each other for a long time. And something about this year or the COVID scheduling or something along those lines, they got taken off each other's schedules. And they weren't playing one another anymore. And so their solution, their solution to not being able to play each other in conference anymore was, hey, we're going to use one of our open non-conference slots to play one another. Which is kind of kind of ingenious because Wake Forest is still 5-0 and in conference play that's what caught my eye initially when I saw the end of this game is I was like oh that's their first conference loss and then they were still 5-0 and and I was like wait a minute wait what huh because they've played FSU UVA Louisville Syracuse Duke and now UNC so obviously you know the the three non-conference games they've played so far at Army Norfolk State and Old Dominion, you know those those don't count towards the conference record, but the North Carolina game is also grouped in with those other three. That is technically a non-conference game for both Wake Forest and UNC because Wake Forest already being five and zero in conference play, they only have three more games, and which are three more conference games: NC State at Clemson and at BC. So I don't know the specifics of, of how that was ironed out, but I can tell you that Wake Forest technically is still undefeated in conference play, even though they played a team that's in their conference. I don't know if that's ever happened before, and it's actually kind of hilarious, but the Demon Deacons scheduled this game with UNC, knowing full well that it wasn't going to matter for... The ACC like standings. I mean, it's just sort of bizarre that that's how they had to to schedule it. Um, I you know, I just it caught me off guard. Really, it caught me off guard uh, and and sort of surprised me. And you know, I've done a little bit of digging before this show and now during the show, trying to figure out uh, what the specifics of that were. So. It, what I have found just in the last few minutes is that Wake Forest and UNC have been rivals all the way going back to the 1800s, but the ACC, when they expanded, placed the teams in opposite divisions, 
and they weren't each other's designated crossover rivalry game each year. So the schools only face each other once every six seasons. And it appears that UNC Athletic Director Bubba Cunningham and Wake Forest Athletic Director Ron Wellman, they decided to do a little home-and-home series in 2019 and 2021 that takes place outside the conference schedule. They'll also play again in 2022, but that one will actually count in the conference standings. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool that this is technically a non-conference game, even though it is, you know, these are two teams that are in the ACC, uh, but it because it is not the crossover rivalry that is required, they only play each other every six seasons, so they decided to do a little home-and-home, and, home and it came back to to bite Wake. Hey, that's that's one way to rekindle a rivalry game, right? That's that's one way to do it. So pretty cool nugget there. And then the last team I want to talk about, the last upset I want to talk about from this past week is Baylor. Baylor's loss to to TCU. And you know, what does that mean for the Big 12? Baylor is now seven and two. In, in conference play. Yes, this was a conference loss, in case you're wondering. The Bears did lose a conference game to TCU. And, you know, hey, credit the Horn Frogs. This is their first game without Gary Patterson. We talked about that on the most recent episode of AFR. He's out, um, out from TCU. Gary Patterson not coaching at TCU. It's the first time that guy had not been on the sidelines at a TCU game since 1997. Since I was the year I was born. The year I was born was the last time Gary Patterson wasn't on the sideline at a TCU game. So big, big time win for the Horned Frogs. Shows that there's still life in that program. It's a close game. Very close win. Even for, for most of the day, you know, it's back and forth, back and forth, touchdown, 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 touchdown. And, and TCU looked better on offense all day long, but Baylor found a way to hang around, right? I mean, you look at the numbers, TCU outgained Baylor by 200 yards. So, you know, the, the mistakes that Baylor made with those two turnovers, the two interceptions thrown by Gary... Bohanan, I think I'm saying that correctly, Gary Bohanan for Baylor, those two picks are what really set TCU up to win this game. Close game, though. Hard-fought game. And again, a great win. And, and it's one I wanted to talk about because TCU, again, not having Gary Patterson, I was curious, how are they going to respond? You know, Will they play with any energy? And they did. To their credit, they did. They found a way to win, and they beat a pretty good Baylor Bears team that was a top 15 team that was certainly hoping for New Year's six. And, and now a wrench has been thrown into those plans. But yeah, I mean, there's some other good games. We just didn't have time to mention. Oregon was, was trailing early against Washington, found a way to pull it out 26 to 16. Ohio State did not look impressive at all against Nebraska, 26 to 17 win for the Buckeyes. You want to talk about another team that hasn't looked impressive recently? That's Cincinnati. The Bearcats won 28-20 over 3-6 and six Tulsa. So nobody's... 
nobody's doing themselves any favors right now. Like, all these teams are just barely scraping by or losing, which I guess barely scraping by is better than losing. Speaking of a team that's barely scraping by, that would be Clemson. There's no real reason to talk about the Tigers this week. They did find a way to win, which has been the case every single week this season, except for the times that they've managed to lose. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's kind of the the mantra of this season of college football is that just find a way to win, find a way to survive in advance. Um, some, some teams did look impressive though. Oklahoma state looked very good against West Virginia, 24 to three win for the Cowboys. A&M shut down Bo Nix and the Auburn Tigers, 20 to three. BYU looked good over Idaho state. Old Miss, was firing on all cylinders in the first half and beat Liberty 27-14. to They get a little slow there in the second half, but ultimately hung on to their lead. Arkansas upset Mississippi State 31-20. to Yeah, 31-28, to excuse me. Uh, Tennessee beat Kentucky 45-42. So, some good games uh, this past week. And hey, Iowa. Iowa found a way to rebound. Only scored 17 points, but they were able to beat Northwestern held the Wildcats to just 12 points, so a five-point victory for the Hawkeyes. Uh, Yeah, some good games this past weekend, certainly. Some notable upsets, but other teams have found a way to get it done. We'll see how the committee rewards them. Speaking of the committee, we're going to take one last break, and when we come back, I'm going to give you my updated top four teams. You don't want to miss that. It's next. Welcome back to AFR. Last segment of this episode, we're going to wrap things up with a little college football playoff talk. Update on my top four. Who do I have in my top four right now? And I'll I'll even give you the first few out, make it a little interesting. Uh, What's not interesting is who I have at one. We all know who it is. It's the Georgia Bulldogs, uh, unanimous number one team in every poll. Georgia is at the top spot after this week. Two is where things get a little interesting, right? Things get a little interesting when you look at who to put at at two because, you know, I, I could have done uh, Alabama. I could have done Oklahoma. Could do Oregon. Could do Cincinnati. I think right now, at two, I'm going to put the Oklahoma Sooners. I'm going to put the Oklahoma Sooners. And I know, you know, some people may say, well, that doesn't necessarily seem fair since Oklahoma did have a, a bye week, right? They had a bye week. Uh, they, were, they were off this past week after playing Texas Tech the week prior. But honestly, I think being off was the best thing that could have happened to Oklahoma because of how everybody else has been playing. Sometimes just flying under the radar is what's going to bump you up a spot or two. And listen, let's, let's be honest here. Cincinnati didn't look good. Alabama didn't look good. Oregon was trailing early. Ohio State looked flat. Like, There's your top six teams right there. There's your top six. Everybody except for Georgia looked bad 
or, or lost, right, or lost. I mean, Michigan State, who they, you know, they lost. Everybody looked bad or lost in that in that top group. So at two, I've got Oklahoma. At two, I've got Oklahoma. I guess like Georgia at one, Oklahoma at two, and at three, I'm going to have Cincinnati. The Bearcats are still undefeated, and that is an important distinction. There are four teams left that are undefeated that are nine and zero. Four nine and zero football teams in the country right now: Georgia, Cincinnati, Oklahoma. And you guessed it, UT San Antonio, the Roadrunners. Roadrunners are currently 15th in the AP poll. Now, UT San Antonio is not going to get near the college football playoff. The committee will make sure of that. But Cincinnati, being an undefeated team, they deserve a spot. They haven't looked the best these past few weeks, but they are still undefeated, and they deserve a top-four ranking. They deserve that. Anything else, anything less is insulting. It's insulting. The Bearcats are at three for me. Four is where things really get tricky. They really do. Because Alabama, Oregon, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Michigan State, Michigan, even Oklahoma State, they all have a single loss. They all have a single loss. Some losses are better than others. Right? It's 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 tricky. Obviously there are some that are head to head, right? Oregon and Ohio State, there's a head to head there. Michigan State, Michigan. There's a head-to-head there. So it's easy to distinguish which teams should be above others. But at, at four right now, I think I'd have to put Ohio State. I think the Buckeyes, even though they didn't look great in their win this past weekend, I think they have earned that fourth spot. So I my top four, I would have Georgia, Oklahoma, Cincinnati, and Ohio State. My first two out are Alabama and then Oregon. I think Alabama's loss to A&M is better than Oregon's loss to Stanford. Certainly, Alabama hasn't played or looked that impressive recently, which is why I have them as the first team out. But they're going to have opportunities. They're going to have opportunities to improve the resume. If they find a way to get past Auburn, if they find a way into the SEC championship game, and if they do the unthinkable and beat Georgia, hey, they'll be in the playoff, no ifs, ands, or buts. But as it stands now, I think my first two teams out would be Alabama and Oregon. So one more time, we'll go through it from the top. My updated college football playoff rankings after week 10, Georgia at number one, right? Consistent, dominant, number one team in the country. At two, I'd have Oklahoma. Sometimes a bye week is the best thing you can have. The Sooners should move up after we saw so many other teams struggle, which leads me to three. Cincinnati is still undefeated, and they deserve the benefit of the doubt. They're a 9-0 football team. Others are not. Cincinnati's at three. And finally, At four, I've got the Ohio State Buckeyes. Ohio State's going to have ample opportunity to wrap up this season with impressive wins, probably more than both my first two teams out in Alabama and Oregon. So Ohio State, I think right now, is the best one-loss team in the country and has the most opportunity to continue to boost their resume. We'll have to see how it all shakes out, though. 
it's going to be an exciting conclusion to the college football season. But that's my current college football rankings as they stand right now. And again, they'll they'll change week to week, right? We'll, we'll have to see how these games this coming weekend go, and, and I'll alter my rankings, and I try and give it a, a fresh slate each week. But I'm also, you know, going to be realistic and say, listen, if you're undefeated, you deserve to be ranked over a one-loss team. You know, this this nonsense of, of even in the AP poll, Alabama closing the gap on Cincinnati and being just four points below the Bearcats, that's absurd. That's absurd. Alabama could barely get it done against a 4-4 four and four LSU team at home. You know, and Cincinnati didn't play great either, but Cincinnati doesn't have a loss. Alabama does. So, again... I'm not optimistic that we'll see better rankings tomorrow out of the committee, but we'll have to see how they go. I'm hopeful, but I'm not optimistic. Or is that the same word? I guess that's the same word. So maybe I shouldn't be hopeful. If I'm not optimistic, I can't be hopeful. Uh, but, but we'll have to see what the committee decides to do when their rankings will be released tomorrow. We are out of time. That's all the time I got for this edition of After Further Review. appreciate you tuning in. We'll have another episode out later this week to preview all the big games upcoming, talk about some matchups. Certainly we'll talk about playoff rankings since they'll be out at that point and where teams stand. Be on the lookout for that. Until then, we will see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Jay Smith, and this has been After Further Review.